Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. This is Megan McKimmy. And I'm Rachel Telford. This is Friday, September 7th, and here are your grain headlines for this week. According to the Business Development Bank of Canada, a labor shortage is expected to be the new normal facing small and medium-sized businesses across the country. They recently did a poll, a survey, and found that 39% of these businesses were having difficulties hiring the types of workers that they require. And I'm sure that to some farmers, that's probably not a surprise considering that within agriculture, with the specialized equipment that we now use with new technology, it's harder than ever to find the help that you need out on the farm. That's interesting because this uh, the same article pointed out that 43% indicated they are hiring less qualified workers because of this shortage and difficulties around it. So for uh, farmers, that might be, uh, as we're looking for that more skilled labor, there could be some uh, issues around that. As we go into harvest time and we are looking at finding additional help on the farm, that's something to keep in mind that uh, training is one of those safety concerns that we should consider and make sure that everybody's up to speed on and how to operate things safely. And uh, Grain Farmers of Ontario started uh, offering its new 2018-2019 seed kits, the What's Growing Ontario Seed Kits for this year. Uh, and if you don't know a lot about this, this is a free resource that we uh, provide to Ontario school-aged children uh, in grade three. So it follows the curriculum um, and it also gives kids an opportunity to grow some seeds in the classroom and talk about uh, science, technology, social studies, and they even look at math and languages. So these seed kits are selling out pretty fast. I say selling out even though they are free. <laughs> um, we've already distributed about 18,000 of the 25,000 kits that we have available for this year. So if you do have some kids that are in grade three, be sure to encourage their teachers to get on board and order them today. And we also have um, some uh, programming for grades 6 to 8. This is an online resource available at goodineverygrain.ca slash teachers. And it, it focuses on um, genetically modified organisms, sustainability, and biodiversity. So that's something your teachers can download online. Also online this week is the 2018 Winter Wheat Performance Tables. They're available at gocereals.ca. This information is published every year, um, and it can be used by farmers to help inform them on their winter wheat planting decisions. The report is prepared by the Ontario Cereal Crop Committee, and it contains the most recent varietal information on winter wheat that was planted in 2017 and then harvested this year in 2018. The results include fusarium ratings and protein content, Farmers can search for results that are specific to their own area, and they can also reference historical data if that's of interest to them as well. Grain Farmers of Ontario is a member organization of the Ontario Cereal Crop Committee. And up next on our podcast, we talk to Victoria Berry about the Canadian National Exhibition and how to talk to consumers. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Victoria Berry, our communications manager at Green Farmers of Ontario. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the role of communications manager, uh, how to talk to consumers, and how the CNE went. Uh, thank you for joining us, Victoria, today. Um, and what exactly is your role as communications manager at GFO? Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on the Grain Talk podcast. I'm very excited. I'm an, I'm an avid listener every, every other week. Uh, so... The communications manager, basically I work with the communications team here at Grain Farmers of Ontario, uh, working to really tell the stories of the, the value that grain farming in Ontario is bringing both you know to agriculture and to the public, trying to help tell that story and make those connections with general consumers around 
you know, how do we get from the farm to the table and what are all of the amazing things that we're doing that make it so nutritious and wonderful once you have that food that that was made from Ontario grains. And at the same time, we also work really hard to make sure that our own farmer members are kept up to speed with all of the latest, you know, research, uh, market development information, anything that could really impact them, help their business, help their practices. Uh, we want to make sure that, that they know right away. So you don't come from the ag sector. You don't have an ag background. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got here? Sure. So yes, I have zero agriculture background. I came in as a complete blank slate. Um, Basically, my background is in communications and writing from a journalism background. And then I moved through uh, into public relations and content marketing and digital marketing, uh, media relations and that, but almost always um, in technology. So spent about a decade at BlackBerry uh, working in public relations, um, working throughout various client groups within the organization from developers to general consumers to the business audience, Uh, worked with um, some startups based mostly in Waterloo and uh, with the University of Waterloo. And so um, the one thing that remains the same is just understanding your audience and really being able to define that voice and figure out what's going to connect with them. And uh, looking at agriculture, when I saw that the Grain Farmers of Ontario was hiring a communications manager, it was pretty compelling to think about the storytelling behind that and the audience and who's listening and, and, and what's being said to them and what can be said. So that sort of led me here. And that's the foundational element for communications, right? That just spans across any industry. And what first got you really excited and interested in agriculture? Well, I think the first thing was that I literally knew nothing. (laughs) And so to me, that represented a great opportunity to really understand the story. And and like I said, I'm pretty passionate about audience definition, role playing and understanding that. And so when I was looking at the Grain Farmers of Ontario site and the Good in Every Grain site and really reading up on the, you know, last year's annual report, different items like that, it struck me that the content... uh, is great. There's so much great information out there. And I think it maybe needed some fresh eyes to say, here's what a consumer thinks. Like, here's what, here's what this person who has no, no experience at the farm level um, would say about, you know, a, a program around recipes or a program around training with grains or understanding farming practices and why that would matter and when that would matter and how you can make it matter to me. And so being able to come to the table with that sort of experience and those eyes was really intriguing for me and hopefully for everyone else. <laughs> Very unique perspective. That's great. So can you tell us a little bit more about the Good and Every Grain campaign that Grain Farmers of Ontario executes? Yeah, so the Good and Every Grain campaign is the public-facing campaign for Grain Farmers of Ontario, and I believe it's um, just coming into about uh, five years, and I'm sure I will be corrected if I'm wrong <laughs> on that. But, um, and, and so it encompasses uh, a lot of different programs and a lot of different elements to just try and help educate consumers uh, about grains grain farming and make them passionate uh you know about grains and and create advocacy and enthusiasm within the consumer but mostly understanding uh so there's a lot of different programs that i've seen there's the train with grain programs which is really speaking to youth and uh, athletes uh, and then we have we've worked with um, uh, nutritionists and uh, registered dietitians to 
bring forth recipes and information that will connect with the home economist and the nutritionist audience. And then we have general consumer uh, tactics. We've done millennial planning and some millennial programs that people can see. I, I'm a big fan of the video series, The More You GMO. Uh, and I know that's that's a really good foreshadowing for the rest of this conversation. <laughs> but um and so there's a number of different programs that we're trying. And this year, you're, you know, anyone um, on the site and, and keeping an eye on things is going to see um, sort of a renewed focus on biofuels um, for, you know, helping tell that story and helping people understand the importance and benefits of ethanol. And of course, that then is incredibly important for our farmers as a market that, you know, is developing and hopefully growing uh, and ties into, you know, recent mandates around ethanol. And then we also, we're going to continue to grow our Train With Grains um, program, which is great. And we're going to see a lot of focus on choosing local and choosing Ontario. Um, and that'll be, that's thoughtfully done to help with our market development. We want to create consumer groundswell around choosing Ontario grains and Ontario food in order to, you know, have the restaurateurs asking food service, well, we need Ontario grown because my customer's asking for it. So create that chain in terms of demand right up into the food service so then they're working with us on programs and we're creating those you know in enhanced markets for our farmers and one aspect of uh, this public outreach campaign that we do is the cne which is a huge long event about 18 days 18 that we long days yeah. <laughs> a lot of days down in toronto um, and we get a lot of hot topics down there just being in an urban audience but um generally how what approach would you think that farmers can take or just other people working in agriculture when talking to the non-farming public? Yeah, I think that it is really um, it is really important how passionate farmers are about agriculture. I mean, I, you know, this is a profession that, that you choose. I think you have to love it. You know, it's not an easy choice. And so I think that having that passion come through is great. I think that sometimes that passion can come through in a very defensive manner. And we have to be really careful about that because people approaching us on some of these hot topics are already coming, they're already defensive. And so we have to find ways maybe to really at the outset, just kind of diffuse that a little bit. Um, and I find honesty works really well and asking questions, you know, I, I cannot count on any hands and toes the number of times at the x this year that I had to say you know really I, I've never heard that tell me more about that and you know in my head I'm I'm shaking my head with you know in in amazement that someone could think that would be true but uh but at the same time allow them to tell you where they're hearing it their expertise and actually I think it's really important that we ask where did you hear that you know where where are you seeing that because that helps us know where we need to go to you know myth bust and and do a bit of work there um and so I think you know we want to be passionate we want to remain positive. We want to ask questions and be known to be active listeners who are nodding a lot, who are trying to take it in. Um, and and we're going to arm ourselves with the with the, the facts, and we're going to do our best. And um, you know, sometimes there's no changing minds, but at least we can take the way that they spoke about it, and then we can use campaigns on Good in Every Grain or on our social uh, and within the industry to combat that type of language and those type of things. 
So why don't we get into a few specifics and, and maybe help our farmer members understand that if they're having these kinds of conversations, say, at the coffee shop with their kids' teachers now that school started again, or, or a lot of our farmers go to fall fairs and, and help out at the local level if they're involved in fair boards. Um, so let's start with GMOs. We've already kind of touched on those a bit already. What do you say to someone who is concerned about the safety of GMOs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's definitely um, something that came up came up a lot at the CNE Uh, a lot of people coming up and asking about GMOs and you know a lot of people came up and said just flat out you know nothing nothing with GMOs is good we shouldn't trust them and you know sometimes you know at the outside of the conversation that (laughs) this might not go that well (laughs) but you know I would say again um, you know what is it that what is a GMO to you what does that mean to you because it can be a catch-all it's kind of morphed into meaning animals and plants that have traits that have been introduced through gene editing or manipulation um, whereas genetic modification itself is a is the process of doing that right we can say there is a wilt resistant banana because we genetically modified it and but people say that's a GMO when a GMO doesn't exist and I just used air quotes on a podcast so that's <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, so I think um, asking people you know why do you feel that they're unsafe um, often I would then say you know genetically modified organism means more than you know agriculture related we have to talk about medicine and how that started and I do bring insulin into the conversation just to say you know we have to remember that this is fundamentally there's there's a lot of different elements and industries where we're using genetic modification so we have insulin and we and we know that that's safe and it's helping people and then I tend to use the stories around uh, the banana wilt or the papaya and some of those stories and talk about you know ask people what do you think that drought resistant wheat could mean to a farmer in a just drought ridden area of the world um, where there's hardship for them to get food wouldn't we want to figure out a different crop that was drought resistance and find that trait and introduce that into the wheat to help them be able to eat Um, I find that that just plays to the shared values like we hear that a lot um when we're talking about public trust in agriculture shared values and so finding those moments um you know a lot of people liken gmos specifically to roundup ready seeds and to right and it's you know it's it's admitting yeah absolutely that's part of it and here's the benefits of that when you talk about um, herbicide and pesticide application and the amounts that we use in our crop yield and all these different that there are real benefits and that there's been you know we stick to the facts there's been zero health risks associated with GMOs and you know the World Health Organization and the European Commission has said that that these are safe and sticking with those facts but then also introducing the idea that um, there are parts of the world where you know, certain foods would have been eliminated without them or that we could help famine or we could help, you know, lack of nutrients when we talk about golden rice. And so there are these great stories and and we have to remember to tell those too and, and, and again, make that connection with them because I think people are really actually sympathetic and interested in those stories when they hear them. Um, and, and so I do tend to tend to start with those basic human needs of um, food and medicine. And then we can get into the deeper discussions on, you know, on herbicide and pesticide resistance and things like that. 
And do you find it difficult sometimes? I know at the CNE, I even had this question a few times, people just saying, well, what is a GMO? And without getting into a big science discussion, how do you talk to someone that doesn't have a background in agriculture or even science about GMOs? Well, and that's me. <laughs> yeah. so, so got, I'm going to say it's not easy for yeah. me. I try to, you know, I try to be well read since I joined in January on um, GMOs and some of the other hot topics and to speak to it intelligently. I rely a lot on our resources that we have um, in terms of, you know, what is a GMO and, 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 and I try to take it away from the term GMO as quickly as I can and talk again more about um, plant science. And, and I've been, I certainly, um, just the CNA, because we're using that as an example, you know, when people were asking me about GMOs and, and I was talking about plant science and I would say science and technology, you know, there's some of the, the times that science or technology has really changed the world. It's met with a lot of hesitation and a lot of detraction. Um, but we're, and, and I say, you know, we're a heavily regulated country, province, and and safety is number one for Health Canada, for the World Health Organizations. Like, there's a lot of groups with eyes on this. And after 13 years of testing each product, they're saying these are okay. And so we have to, you know, there's so many benefits from it. We have to have the discussion that these are okay. And part of that with urban consumers is they often think that organic is better than conventionally farmed food. You like to say it doesn't matter what you choose as long as you're choosing Ontario grown. Why is that? Well, and I think that harkens back to what I said earlier <laughs> where I talk about um, creating demand within the food supply chain um, for Ontario grown as a benefit to our farmers. Uh, but I would also say Ontario is regulated quite a bit across the board. And I know that there's work to be done on organic regulations. And we actually met recently with the Organic Council. And they, they were saying similar. that that, And I've seen a few different things where... Um, people are talking about the need to 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 look at the regulations and certifications and and make them as strong as they can be. Uh, I think there's a lot of consumer demand for organics. I think we have farmers, our farmer members, who are farming organic, and so I do think that we do fundamentally need to promote Ontario grain across the board as being you know s- smart, safe, healthy, delicious, um, and so I think that that's really important. And I think what I basically say to people is just you know, we're here to tell you the facts and we're here to tell you facts that we back up, you know, scientifically backed up facts. And we want you to make informed good choices based on good facts. Um, but no matter what you choose, if you choose Ontario, your family is going to be safe. And I think that's a good starting point for the discussion. I, I then immediately bring, I do generally bring up that, you know, I don't buy organic for my family. That's not how I shop. I shop Ontario first. And I know, um, especially with the recent news about glyphosate and the lawsuit in California, um, that we're probably hearing a little bit more about this in, in the news right now. And so urban consumers are um, maybe talking a lot more about glyphosate and not entirely understanding that. So if our farmers are out and hearing this type of question, how do you think they should respond? So when we, we had people approach us about um, glyphosate in oats uh, and cereals, um, a fair amount I actually had at the CNE talking about that. And I think some people who came up maybe uh, came with a negative attitude, like ready to argue with me about it. Um, and so my first answer when they said, you know, you know, is it true that there's glyphosate in, in oats and cereal? I said, yeah, yes, it is. And, and generally speaking, that would 
put people off a little bit. Um, but, but I think honesty is the best policy. And then we just have to be able to follow that up and say, you know, what, what we need to understand is that what trace amounts means, what parts per million and parts per billion means and contextualize that for people. Uh, and then also speak to them about, you know, what we know about how the human body might metabolize glyphosate or not. (laughs) And what we know about the regulations and the tests that have been done on that. And that, you know, and, and, and be open and say, yeah, they did, you know, a group did test for that. They did find it. They, that's the only thing that they tested for. Like our, our plants and, and our food, no matter how it's grown, no matter how it's grown, is going to have different elements and things on it. And our bodies can handle that. And our bodies have been handling that for quite some time. And the great part is that we use less than ever, mm-hmm. right? And bring that back to modern farming, modern farming practices and help them understand that, you know, the trace amounts that were found and what that means actually means that we use less than ever. So that's often one of the, I guess, misconceptions that consumers have about pesticide use in general is the amount that we're using. Um, So what are some of the other uh, misunderstandings that you've heard that consumers have about our use of pesticides? Mostly, mostly it's that... um is that we use a lot of them and that we use them all the time <laughs> and um uh and and so it's it's fundamentally showing that you know I talk a lot about some of the articles that I've read on droplet sizes on lowering and having the right level and height for spraying and what that means in terms of you know and using affluent instead of and, and cutting down on the dust and, and sort of what that means generally speaking for residues and for the impact of the pesticide and I think you know um, just saying more and more that what we're doing fundamentally means that we are using less and we had a sign that we made for the CNE um, showcasing you know one cup of pesticides goes into 45 liters of water and that sprays over an acre of land and I and that one stopped a lot of people um, we tried to have conversation starters and be very direct at the show about some of these issues and that was a that was a good conversation starter and people were like you know some people qu- questioned it and said you know um, did Monsanto pay you to say that or <laughs> is that really true <laughs> yeah. Yeah. is is that for all pesticides all plants and we just said just when you're seeing the sprayer what you're seeing is mostly water like that's you know it's irrigation and spraying and it's how we it's how we get the pesticide to all of the plants and so um and so I think it's just being factual but again you know someone comes up and they say you know why do you think that? Like, where did that come from? You know, and sometimes it's people because they've seen a sprayer and other times they've read stuff on, you know, Facebook and some really, you know, sensationalistic headlines out there. Social media. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's interesting too, that the people that are resistant to pesticide use are also anti-GMO, not realizing that if it was, there was a GM trait that would allow them to use less pesticides, that, you know, that would solve the pesticide issue. Yeah. And I think, and, and there's a lot of, um, probably misunderstanding about pesticide use in modern farming practices versus the legacy organic practices. And, um, people were really interested in hearing about cover crops and, and no-till strategies and soil health, um, which, and maybe I went in not giving enough credit to the consumer that they would be interested in some of that or be able to understand what I was saying. And that was my own, um, you know, preconceptions or, and so, uh, 
so I think that there is an opportunity to really have some good dialogues, but I think it starts with us saying, you know, yes, yes, we do use pesticides. I had someone come up and ask me if it's my favorite, sorry, from, from the CNA, <laughs> is someone coming up and asking me about bee health. Um, because we had some stuff on protecting pollinators and we had worked with uh, Bees Matter to have some seed kits out. And so we, um, I had someone come up and ask me about, you know, the neonics uh, decision from PMRA and the three to five year phase out and discussion period. And we were talking a little bit about that. And she, and she said, well, can't they just make a pesticide that wouldn't that wouldn't harm insects? And I said, <laughs> well, its very name <laughs> it means it's going to harm insects. Like we can't, like, fundamentally, they're killing the really bad, right? They're killing the really bad pests. And um, we talk a little bit about, um, uh, you know, why people are asking these questions and why they're so eager to believe um, some of these, you know, more outrageous statements around any of these issues. And I think um, that it's... You know, people sometimes want a, A, they want an easy answer, right? We want magic bullets, you know, it'd be great if, you know, there's a magic pill that you could take and suddenly be in great shape and your heart health and (laughs) everything, right? Um, And so people do want easy answers, especially nowadays. Um, But then also, uh, I think that people want an enemy that they can see and do something about, right? Like when it comes to climate change, and we know that that's a huge, huge impactor on bee health and and a lot of other things in soil and different things, um, that is not easy to target and do something about, right? So even if it's 5% of the problem is caused by a pesticide, oh, well, I I can pinpoint that and I can do something about that enemy, uh, and I think that's what people are searching for are the things that, that they can say, well, I did something about that to help that problem. And so that, um, you know, unfortunately, that does impact us. But again, we just have to come at it with a positive attitude and and be completely honest with people. And that really does start the conversation on a better foot. I, I noticed every time. I think uh, some of this ties back to technology. It's something we talk a lot about in farming, and we want the public to know more about how uh, technologically advanced farmers now are. But they sometimes find technology in farming maybe a little bit scary. And in other industries like medicine, it's a great thing. So how would farmers sort of broach that subject, talking about technology in farming and uh, its relation to agriculture? Yeah, I think you're right in that it's, so there's two different ways of thinking about that. There's technology in agriculture that allows us to uh, be more advanced in terms of some of the practices. Like, you know, I we had a lot of people, again, at the CNE come. We were playing videos showcasing harvests um, and some drone footage that we'd done. And, you know, people are coming over there like, that's so amazing to see. Like, it's so amazing when they see the combine and they see they see the harvest in action and they see all of the grain going into the bin. Like, they, they're amazed by that. And I think that's wondrous for them. I think they like to see that. It's beautiful, right? But talking about uh, the more deeper issues of technology in our food, and that's where it's different, right? Technology on the field is one thing, and it's a lot easier to embrace that. Um, when it's actual, you know, like um, physical technology. Um, yeah. And versus technology that is in the food I'm going to ingest, my family's going to ingest. And I think even though we know fundamentally and truthfully there is no concern there, um, we all still have to be aware that it's not wholly 
unheard of for people to be a little bit like a little a little bit skeptical or a little bit fearful uh, when it comes to our food and 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 what's internally ingested into our bodies and so again like coming from you know that kind of audience mindset and saying okay now how do I talk to that audience knowing that they're coming at me fearful they're not actually hopefully in probably 80% of the cases judging me or my practices necessarily they're just really scared yeah um and then when it comes to like technology behind you know pesticide spraying and some of the chemical applications it's again I, I think it has to be data-based and and just showcasing the the real benefits of that to to the world and I think agriculture is trying to do that really really hard and I think that they're doing a good job we just gotta keep we, we have to keep doing more of it so when we talk about sometimes science being scary or agriculture technology being scary Farmers themselves aren't really scary. They're pretty approachable people, uh, is my experience. That's the case. So how can farmers, knowing that consumers sometimes think that agriculture is scary, kind of help tell their own story to answer those questions that consumers have and be relatable? And, and, you know, like what sort of advice do you have for farmers who, you know, might be hesitant to talk to somebody because they know there's that perception about them out there? Sure. I think that there's probably a number of farmers who are fed up, right? They're fed up with seeing all the negative information. They're fed up with seeing outright false information out there. And so it's easy to let that brim over. And what I'm saying fundamentally from the start of this discussion all the way through is to understand that the audience is scared doesn't understand is looking for an easy answer right the and the the real answers are not easy they're complicated and and they take a bit of doing to get it from the field and the the great things that grain farmers are doing to the table where we can feel good about what we're eating and so I think it's really um it's really asking those questions um it's it's trying to take a minute and take a deep breath when you want to get defensive because it's easy to, you know, roll your eyes or feel really like, oh, why, why can't they understand what I'm saying? And sometimes, frankly, they won't, right? Uh, it's planting, maybe it's just planting some seeds that they'll, they'll maybe those will cultivate later. Uh, they're not going to, you know, the discussion at the moment might not be all positive, but maybe at a dinner or party, they oh, I talked to a farmer and he actually said this or she said this and we can... Um, go from there so I think again it's understanding that the audience generally speaking is concerned about their health or concerned about the planet they feel like this is an opportunity for them to do something about it and that's why they're making the choices they are it's understanding that everything that they're fed because of the choices they made probably just (laughs) just feeds into what they think um and taking time and having that kind of patience and again being very honest about like everything what what grain farmers are doing in Ontario is so vastly overwhelmingly good that it's okay to be honest when there's a little bit of a negative bent to the question like it's okay to say yeah yeah that does exist but here's why here's what you really need to know about that right like I would say always follow it up your honesty should be followed up with further honesty Uh, (laughs) and so um but but to me I think that that's fundamentally what's what's going to help us um tell our stories and also um as I said like take every conversation as an opportunity to gather data on the way people are asking the questions the words they're using where they're getting their information because 
more and more as we battle perception and um, and people with agendas, uh, those things become very important in in this day and age, especially right. Trying to we you know we we as a team in communications here are working on you know more digital strategy behind our content and behind the language and searches so that when people are looking at some of these topics our our content and our communications are going to come a little closer up to the surface and part of being able to do that successfully is to understand how people are asking the questions and where they're getting that information so we can we can work against that. And uh, kind of the wrap-up, Grain Farmers of Ontario uh, and the Good in Every Grain campaign will be out uh, this fall and into the winter at a, a number of public outreach events. And can you tell us quickly about some of those? Sure. So um, we have uh, the IPM um, and the Growing Connections trailer will be there. Uh, and we're a sponsor there and really like working with the IPM crew. We have some um, really interesting uh, stuff planned and um, there's a good opportunity maybe on the first day to come and get your picture taken at the grain farmers um, we have a little photo um, area for people and I hope people will come and take pictures and then tweet at us and share on Instagram and Facebook uh, we have the uh, Ajac um, auto show which is a first time sponsor for us uh, that we're going to sponsor and basically that's the Automobile Journalists Association of Canada and I spoke early about the biofuels focus that we want to have on Good and Every Grain and this will be a really good introduction for us into some of the media and influencers in that space uh, and then beyond that we have the Gourmet Food and Wine Show uh, Food and Wine Expo in Toronto and we're you know we're going to be working really hard at um, sort of the the Ontario producing smart, healthy, and delicious food. Um, and alcohol. And alcohol. <laughs> Spir- sorry, spirits. Spirits. <laughs> yes. Um, that, yeah. So, so, so those are some of the things that we're doing. And throughout November, we have you know the Royal Winter Fair, and I think people, um, if you haven't come in a while, it'd be fun to check it out. I'm excited. I haven't been there since my uh, well, I'm going to say about a decade. Like my kids were. Significantly <laughs> I've been there younger. since last year. <laughs> Um, and that's a good opportunity. I think the Royal Winter Fair is also um, an interesting opportunity for us to talk to farmer members who are bringing their families down for that. If they're showing um, any of their livestock or, or doing anything down or they come and visit us and talk to us and share their stories about what they're hearing and what they're seeing because we need to know that too, right? Like we're getting the public input at some of these events and it would be great to hear from farmer members about what they're seeing and what they're hearing. And I'd love to hear back from them on some of the communication things we're doing like this podcast or other things and and. and and get their feedback and uh, so I'm hoping to talk to several people at that show so please come out <laughs> well thank you Victoria for joining us today on the podcast I think there's some really interesting valuable information for farmers and to learn a little bit more about what we're uh, what we're talking about when we're at these public outreach events so thank you well I hope so <laughs> you know um, but yeah and I'm I'm happy to talk to any any farmer who's you know wanting to dip their feet into social media or wanting to, to go out and do speaking opportunities and needs a little bit of um, guidance or help, then I think we're here for them. So uh, thank you for having me. It was nice to be on. Coming up next on the podcast, we talk with Marcus Hurl, Chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario. So we are joined by Marcus Hurl, our Chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario today. Um, and we have a few things we wanted to talk about. But uh, first off, uh, our AGM is next week, Marcus. Can you tell us a bit about what will happen there and why it's important for our delegates and farmer members to attend. 
Yeah, uh, we will have our AGM at the um, uh, in Woodstock at the uh, Quality Inn, and uh, the uh, purpose of the uh, AGM is, first of all, we're going through some of the highlights of the year that uh, the board and staff has been working on on behalf of the uh, the farmers, the farmer members. And also the financial uh, report will be presented to the people present. And uh, also what's really important, it gives a chance to have some dialogue and uh, get resolutions brought forward. And also we will have uh, a speaker in this year, uh, which will be Minister Ernie Ardeman. Uh, that um, we were looking forward to have him do a presentation and uh, on what his new government is going to uh, roll forward and uh, how we can work with them. So uh, as uh, the chair of Grain Farmers Ontario, I'm certainly looking forward to have him out at the AGM this year. Great. And we uh, were at a, or you're currently at the board meeting today. Can you just give us a quick overview of what's happening there and uh, if there's anything that you would like to share? Yeah, the uh, September board meeting is uh, one of the uh, main meetings that we uh, we take serious at the uh, certain time of the year because, again, we're getting ready for the uh, AGM, uh, which is next week getting also some of the updates and uh, strategy planning for the IPM uh, that's coming up in two weeks from now. So um, we, uh, as the board, we did discuss some of the highlights on myself, Barry, and uh, Deborah Cohn of uh, meeting the uh, Minister of Agriculture, Ernie Alderman, yesterday and bringing up some of our uh, topics that we wanted to have addressed with him, uh, which are important for our members as we go forward in certain uh, things that we're working on, uh, which are the neonic regulation, which is still not workable for our industry, the uh, business risk management review it's still going on and we uh, thank the minister of having championed that at the FPT meeting this uh, past July and we also talked about the uh, margin insurance program that we have proposed to be rolled out in the coming uh, years to uh, to have some more tools available to the um, the grain and oilseed farmers of Ontario we touched on trade and uh, tried to get him engaged to get the growth roundtable established that he can work with uh, to have a closer dialogue with producer groups to have the issues and concerns addressed and uh, be close to working together with government. Our uh, What we also talked about at the, uh, at the board meeting this month is what the future lies ahead for the Ag Growth uh, Coalition, because uh, as we move on in the uh, review process for BRM programs, we uh, this uh, group of uh, producer organizations need to refocus because some of the strategies will change and already have changed. So there will be a meeting tomorrow in Ottawa 
to have a face-to-face meeting with that. And Marcus, you've mentioned the IPM there briefly. We're, uh, Grain Farmers of Ontario is a, is a VIP sponsor of, uh, sorry, is the sponsor of the VIP plowing event there. Um, can you tell us why it's important to be at the IPM, specifically the VIP event, and sort of why it's important for us to connect with the politicians there? Yes, um, it, it's a very unique time of the year for the politicians because it's that one time per year that they actually close the uh, the house and uh, that they come out to a rural event and where agriculture is showcasing their new initiatives and uh, progressive ways of farming and uh, it also gives us as farmers a chance to have a dialogue with our elected representatives from across the province to address some of the concerns and issues that we are facing. And also it uh, puts us into a more casual setting where uh, we can also uh, showcase some of our uh, new tools that we're working with, uh, especially on equipment and on uh, on science advances that are happening for our industry. So uh, this is a perfect site of where we have a chance to do that. And also it is one of those times that it happens in a different part of the province and it gives a chance to different people from across the province to kind of come out to that event and have their time with the politicians. Great. Thank you, Marcus, for joining us and giving us an update from the Chair of Green Farmers of Ontario. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Victoria Berry and Marcus Hurl. Also, thank you to our producer, Mark Carter. If you've liked what you've heard today on the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes and Google Play.